welcome to Frontline Gastro Enterology Podcast. My name is John Siegel. I'm one of the associate trainee editors at Frontline Gastroenterology, and we're here at St. Mark's with Dr. Shu and Thomas Gibson and Dr. Vats Ravindran uh, regarding their great article entitled Improving Safety and Reducing Error in Endoscopy, Simulation Training in Human Factors. Uh, so very, very grateful for both of you for doing this today. I wondered if we could start with a, with a simple question and just give us a brief overview, if you can, of, of what this paper is about. Thanks, John, and thanks for inviting us to the podcast today. So this review really looks at how simulation-based education can be used in training, particularly training of human factors. Um, so these are factors that we know are important to healthcare and encompass a whole range of things, including organisational, environmental, human and individual characteristics that all influence behaviour in the workplace. And we know that human factors can influence how we perform as endoscopy teams. So this review is really an overview of how we achieve that. So, so when I was reading this paper, I came across uh, this concept called ENTS and ENTS. Um, can you just explain a bit to, for our uh, listeners what these are, what they mean and why they're important? So um, ENTS essentially stands for endoscopic non-technical skills. So I'm sure people have come across this term before, but essentially this was a framework developed uh, specific to endoscopy taken from other frameworks or other similar frameworks in uh, other specialties such as anaesthetics and surgery. And now that framework's been incorporated into endoscopy assessment, so our DOPS. So they, like all other non-technical skills frameworks, cover cognitive and social domains. Um, so for ENT specifically, we think about teamwork and communication, uh, situational awareness, uh, leadership, and then judgment and decision-making. Um, and those are the kind of the factors that we talk about when we think about ENTS. Now, we know there's a lot of literature in other medical specialties that correlate between non-technical skills proficiency and how they impact on uh, patient safety incidents. Uh, and we know that from previous reports, including the NCPOD report um, in the kind of early 2000s, that non-technical skills that are specific to endoscopy can contribute to things like adverse events and mortality. So they are quite important and very important to, to know about. And, and just from, from my perspective, I wondered, how can simulation be, be useful? I mean, tell me, take me through this. Where do you think the use of simulation can be in, in practice? Yeah, that's a good question. So simulation, as you're probably aware, has been around in healthcare for some time. Um, and there's quite an increasing evidence base behind simulation, particularly in non-technical skills training. And a lot of those principles were originally brought from the aviation industry, I think now we know that there, there is a difference between aviation and healthcare um, and a lot more of the simulation that we're delivering now is really tailored to non-technical skills training in medicine. Specifically, when you look at the evidence for non-technical skills training through simulation, um, there's clear evidence for short-term outcomes and more long-term outcomes. And the short-term outcomes tend to be things like increased or improved team working behaviours, uh, more efficient team processes. And there's a few RCTs that have demonstrated that, particularly around improved behaviours after simulation training. When you think about long-term outcome data, it's obviously a little bit difficult kind of correlating training to patient outcome, but we've had a few systematic reviews that have looked at particularly things like outcomes in surgery and obstetrics, which have shown uh, kind of reduced adverse events rates and improved mortality rates as a result of simulation. But that's what we're trying to now bring into endoscopy training. Can you tell me a bit specifically in relation to endoscopy, how simulation has been used specifically to promote these ENTS kind of learning things? 
simulation in endoscopy has obviously been around for you know a decade or so, even more, probably, uh, and that's mainly been around technical skills proficiency. So, using kind of animal models, plastic models, or virtual reality screen-based simulators, um, and actually the use of simulation in endoscopy for specifically ENTS is relatively new, and the ENTS framework came out in about 2016. Um, but clearly the, the behavioural skills and the, the, the factors that are relevant to ENTS have been around for a long time. A couple of years ago, Frontline actually published uh, a systematic review of non-technical skills training, and it was highlighted there the kind of handful of studies that contributed to uh, simulation ENTS. And we know there are different ways of doing this. Um, a lot of those published, or a lot of those studies were in abstract form, so kind of presented at the BSG, etc. And we know generally there are different ways of doing this. And the, the two ways that we talked about in our review were on integrated simulation and in situ simulation. So integrated simulation was quite an interesting concept when it arose kind of early 2000s um, through Professor Kneebone and his group at Imperial. They essentially combined technical skills such as suturing and incorporated non-technical elements. So they used simulated patients to kind of recreate um, kind of the real world setting. So in endoscopy, that's done been done a few times across the country in kind of a handful of places um, where you actually perform the endoscopy, but using a simulated patient. So you recreate kind of that real world setting. Um, obviously, that's that sounds good on paper. And we you know we're collecting more evidence and data about that. In reality, it can be quite difficult and challenging to achieve that, particularly due to the resource that's required in that. Whereas in situ training is something that's becoming more and more appealing. You just mentioned the in situ simulation. Can you just tell me a bit more about what that is? So in situ is quite an exciting concept to think about. So it's where you take simulation so out of the simulation lab and out of the postgraduate centre and actually move it into the clinical environment. So you're conducting simulation in your own working environment. And, you know, just by thinking about that, you, you, your learning is more directed to what you're doing in the workplace uh, and fidelity and immersion are completely increased. Um, so this has been done a few times in endoscopy and actually a review in America uh, published about five or six years ago showed that only about 2% of endoscopy units were using this kind of modality. But there are clear benefits. So not just the benefits of training and simulation and learning and experiencing ENTS, but also the detection of latent errors. So these are kind of areas in the workplace that we don't quite know about yet, but by performing a simulation in the working environment, we can pick them up. So simple things might be something missing on a, on a crash trolley or piece of equipment that's missing, or some guidelines that should be published and pr printed but aren't there. So I think that has a really important impact on patient safety. And those two aspects together are probably really important in improving outcomes. Um, and interestingly, actually, the RCP recently published their Never Too Busy to Learn um, paper or uh, publication, which highlighted the importance of in-situ training across medicine as a whole. So I think within the endoscopy, this is a really um, important and exciting prospect. That's great. So I'm really interested that endoscopy is obviously a, a multidisciplinary team that, that are involved with nurses, doctors, uh, other staff that are involved in endoscopy. Can you tell me a bit about how they may get involved in this in-situ training as well? We talk about endoscopy simulation and previously it was all about the endoscopist and how they learn skills. And you're correct in saying that endoscopy is performed in teams. And the whole point of simulation is team training. So you're not just training a specific subgroup of the team itself. 
So, for example, in situ, the, the most ideal way to run in situ would be to combine the endoscopy team, so the endoscopists, the nurses, the other allied healthcare professionals involved in that process, into a scenario. So scenarios may not just be an emergency scenario in the endoscopy room. They may involve an emergency in the waiting area, something in recovery, where you're utilising the whole team. So that might be not just nurses, but porters, other non-endoscopy staff, medical teams on the endoscopy units. And I'm reading this report as well. I came across this concept called ISRI, and I wondered, firstly, could you just tell me what that stands for and what that actually means? Um, yes, yeah, so ISRI stands for Improving Safety and Reducing Error in Endoscopy. Dr. Thomas Gibson <laughs> might be the best person to answer that question. Hi, thanks for that. Yeah, this is, uh, an, uh, I think, quite an exciting initiative that we have started in, in the last year. And it follows on from my uh, academic interest in the development of the uh, endoscopic non-technical skills framework and work that one of my previous fellows, uh, Dr. Mathrew, did in terms of looking at uh, error and safety in endoscopy. And in general, of course, we know that um, endoscopy is a safe procedure. We do many, many thousands, in fact, over 2 million procedures in the UK every year. And uh, on the vast majority of occasions, uh, it goes very well and there, there aren't problems. But sometimes there are problems. And uh, when there are significant problems, if that's happened in perhaps a more routine case, then it, uh, it begs the question, could we have prevented it? And that, of course, uh, applies across all of healthcare. So the starting point isn't that endoscopy is unsafe. It's can we make it any safer? Um, can we prevent errors? Uh, when errors do occur, do we report them effectively? Do we learn from them? Do we train our trainees and our teams how to prevent them and how to learn from error? Um, and when errors are perhaps occurring or where there are safety issues uh, within either an individual or within a service, do we have any mechanism for supporting those individuals and services? And um, that's, that really incorporates everything that ISRI, the ISRI strategy is going to try and do. Uh, and that's that's an overview. So we... we basically had a had ran a workshop within JAG where we invited uh, um, around 30 multidisciplinary uh, team members, if you like, surgeons, gastroenterologists, nurses, very importantly a patient, but also specialists in this field outside of gastroenterology. So an implementation scientist, um, uh, anaesthetists who are involved in simulation and so on and uh, someone from the Clinical Human Factors uh, Charity Working uh, Group. And we, uh, between us, decided to look at a list of priorities for work that JAG could do. Um, we had a, a session of blue sky thinking. If you had a, lim a limitless budget and limitless time, what could you do? And then we tried to narrow it down to what is feasible, and we came up with our strategy, which... Um, which is referenced in the paper and, and available on the JAG website. And we're trying to tackle um, uh, the, the most accessible of those through a variety of means. And just thinking about how we actually implement simulation into everyday practice, how would a trust or a hospital go about trying to implement this? Sondi, have you any thoughts on that? 
So uh, we are working in collaboration with one of VATS's previous colleagues, Eleanor Wood, at the Homerton, and they really have an outstanding simulation department there that actually works right across the hospital. But Eleanor, being a gastroenterologist, fortunately for us, uh, has done a lot of work within endoscopy. And that's at one end of, uh, of the spectrum, if you like, if you've got an all-singing, all-dancing simulation lab with several simulation fellows and uh, full-time staff to run it. And they run in situ sims, so they take their kit into the various departments within the hospital and into endoscopy every fortnight to run a one-hour training session. And that, you know, that would be fantastic if every big hospital had that uh, capability. But clearly, I think it will be a long time before that's available everywhere. However, um, at our trust, for example, we don't have uh, uh, all of that fancy equipment or indeed all of those individuals. But um, we are planning, and in fact, yesterday, um, VATS ran uh, an in-situ sim around a major hemorrhage protocol within endoscopy. So we had one of the more basic uh, Rosaciani-type simulators, and in collaboration with our um, resuscitation officers, ran a a really successful in-situ sim, and that's just one. But some of the simulations don't require any kit at all. So um, the course that Eleanor runs uh, with colleagues at the Homerton uh, also runs simulations around breaking bad news or managing uh, an angry patient in the waiting room. Uh, and I, and I, although the fidelity, that's a word that Vats uh, mentioned, so the, reali- the realism, if you like, of a simulation is helped by uh, very good equipment that can give you blood pressures and uh, ECG readings and even endoscopic images. Of course, that helps. Um, I firmly believe that if you're interested and you've got an hour and an interested team, you could run simulation within the working week, within an endoscopy room, pretty much with the kit that you have. And um, the reality would be improved by having an actor and some expensive kit. Uh, but I think there's still a lot that can be learned and that really is achievable. And part of the aim of ISRI that Eleanor Wood is helping us with um, is to try and develop ways in which this can be integrated into the curriculum, not just for um, medical uh, staff who are who are learning the, the skills, the technical skills of endoscopy, but the wider team, as we've said. So just kind of just bringing this podcast to a conclusion, I just wondered, was, was there any final closing remarks that either of you wanted to make in, in regards to simulation training? Yeah, so I'm obviously a huge proponent for simulation um, and I've seen the clear benefits to people I've helped train through simulation. And um, I just think it is a very valuable uh, teaching tool and learning opportunity. Uh, but I think the key is really collaboration and engagement of different levels. So not just engaging um, interested trainees and interested nursing staff, but also you know, senior medical staff, senior nursing staff, um, chief executives within your trust to try and highlight the importance of simulation, particularly, you know, not just in terms of improving training, but also the ultimate effect of have on patient outcome, particularly things such as latent errors and, and detecting those and their contribution to patient safety, really invaluable from what we've found so far conducting in situ sim. And I would, uh, well, thank Frontline Gastroenterology for giving us this opportunity to to publish on this really important subject. Uh, I mean, the elephant in the room is that up to a third of deaths are related to medical error, and that's been published in the States and and reproduced uh, time and time again. And 
much of medical error and uh, complications and complaints are related to non-technical skills and human factors, which is incredibly costly, not only in terms of finance uh, and time spent in managing uh, these issues, but also obviously cost to patients and their relatives more importantly. And for a long time, we because it's difficult to, uh, it's perceived to be difficult uh, to teach and uh, learn these skills, it's been neglected but I think um, endoscopy is building on the other specialties our colleagues in anaesthetics for example uh, who have realized that this is actually very important so for those of you who are interested in, in the full article it is currently published online and will be available in the special endoscopy edition uh, which will be in April related to endo live mm-hmm.